Good morning, ACF. Can we just celebrate being together in the house of God today? I am so excited to be with you all this morning. If you're watching online, we love you guys. We are so grateful that you are joining us today. Uh, if you're new in this room and it's your first time coming to ACF Church, man, welcome. Uh, I just feel privileged that you would come and spend some of your time, some of your Sunday morning with us in our community here today. And so we've been um, in a series for a while uh, that we've been walking through all summer long called Hold Fast. And we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's been an awesome, amazing series. And uh, we're getting towards the end of it. And it is, it's been a wild summer. Um, and it's been, I mean, we preached on things that, to be honest, as we walk through 1 Corinthians, there's been things like Pastor Brian has preached on, things that I have preached on that we've never taught on before here in church. And so it's just been a cool experience. And we're continuing with that today. <clears throat> and if you're unfamiliar with the book of 1 Corinthians, what we have happening, what's going on, it's actually, it's a letter. And it was written to a church in this town called Corinth. And and um, this church was like many of the churches that were forming in, in, uh, during this time. It was an early church. Like there, there were these people coming to Jesus who, who didn't know faith, who didn't know God. And, and, and maybe you're in this room today and you, you, you're a Christian or you've said yes to Jesus or even you're just checking it out. Or maybe you're watching online right now and you're not quite sure about this Christian thing. But you don't have this history like, back then, the Jews had the history of, like, following God, right? They had the law. They had the prophets. And so when they were able to connect Jesus to all the stuff they knew, it was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. But then you had people like the Romans, and you had the Greeks that are coming to Jesus, and they know nothing. And so this church starts... <clears throat> With all these people that don't know anything of faith, don't know anything about God, but they know Jesus and they know that, that they need to follow him. They need to surrender their lives to him. So as they're coming to know him, they bring this kind of mess of their lives into the local church. Which it is a beautiful thing, but it is also problematic. Right, like Paul's writing them and in their letters he's like, guys, stop having orgies. Like stop it. Right, because this is the common practice of the time, and it's like, well, oh, we're not, we're not supposed to go see temple prostitutes anymore. Okay, I didn't know that. I'll put that in my list. No more prostitution. Cool. Following Jesus is different than the th way I've done it before. Right, and it's, it's messy in the church, and so Paul's writing to them, and so we've been walking down this series of, like, uh, of these, these things that, that were coming into the church, and to be honest, it's not much different today. Like sexual morality, uh, uh, people fighting with each other, uh, uh, wealthy people treating poor people really badly. All of these things that were happening in the church today, that there's still issues today. So as we've been going through this, this series, this book of 1 Corinthians, it's been really impactful even for ourselves. Well, throughout this whole letter, Paul has been writing and he's like, hey, it's correction after correction after correction. You guys, stop doing this. Stop doing this. Stop doing Do that. Do that. Don't do that. And then all of a sudden we get to this section, what we're going to talk about today. 
And this passage we're going to talk about today, I would argue, is one of the most famous chapters in the New Testament. If you've, even if you've never been a Christian before, you've never been to church, you've probably at least heard parts of this chapter. We are in 1 Corinthians today, 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, if, if you've been around the church for a while, you, you might know it as the... I love that. You can't say it's not the love chapter. It's the love chapter. All right. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. It's quoted at every wedding, right? It's, it's cross-stitched in, your, in grandma's pillow, right? It's on that mug that you have in the morning. It's, it's hanging on the sign that hangs on the shiplap in your living room. It's a very famous chapter, and it's all about love. But what I think we're going to discover today is this is actually maybe one of the most important chapters in the New Testament. That there's so much depth to this that maybe you haven't considered before. So we're going to read the whole chapter this morning, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, when I was like 20 years old, I actually uh, was encouraged to memorize this chapter. So I memorized it in the Bible that I had at the time, which was the NIV. It is now, that version I had is now known as the NIV 1984 version. And so I guess they updated in 2011, which just makes me feel really old. I memorized it in the 1984 version. So that's the version we're going to read this morning. But in your Bibles, if you would read along with me, it'll also be on the screen behind me. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 13. Now, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a claiming cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the, imper the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, uh, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So Paul is writing this in this letter. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's actually a poem that Paul pens together, that he puts together. And he puts it right in this place. It's not accidental of even where it's at and its location in this letter. Again, he's been talking about like, hey, don't do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, correction, correction, correction. And then he goes, now here's why. This is what it's all about. See, it's not about just doing the right thing. It's not about just looking really nice on the outside. There's actually a purpose for this, and this purpose is love. Now, when Paul writes this poem, he, he uses, we read in the English, he uses this word, love. But the problem is, in English, we have but one word for love, right? 
We have one word for love. Like, I love my wife deeply, and I also love me some tacos, right? <laughs> like, I love my children so, so much, but I, I also love Fruit Loops, right? I love God with all my heart, and I love the Seahawks. A little less, a little less this year, a little less. It's going to be a rough year, right? We have only one word for love. And most every other language actually has multiple words for love. Because there's multiple ways that we love. And, and Paul, in, in, in this in situation, it's the same. Now, Paul is writing in Greek. Paul's a Greek speaker. And in the Greek, they have multiple words for love. And he uses this one specific word. Now, if you've been in the church for some time, you've probably heard this word before. And, and this word is known as what? What kind of love? Agape love, that's right. You guys kind of said it quietly, like, I think that's where he's going. I don't want to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Agape, agape love. He uses this term agape. Now, what agape means, it's this idea of like love that goes out and doesn't expect anything in return. And even in the Greek language, it didn't even always mean that, but it was, it's, in, it's kind of amazing. It was the early church writers like Peter and John and Paul that took this word and really formed it to be what it is. Even to this day, this is what agape means. And really what agape is, it's this idea of unconditional love. Love that goes out and expects nothing in return. Now here's the deal. As, as humans, human beings, we love conditionally. It's all we know to do is to love conditionally. We love things that love us back in return, right? We, we love our friends because our friends love us back. Now, yes, I could love my friend when they're having a bad day and being a jerk to me, but there is an expectation that they're going to love me back. Right? Like, I, I love hot dogs because they taste delicious. They love me back. I do not love tofu because it does not love me back. It is, it is awful. <laughs> There's no love going there. We love things, it's in a conditional way that love us back. Even in my marriage, I love my wife because there's an expectation that my wife will love me back. It's conditional. But this idea of agape is, is this unconditional love. It's a love that does not expect anything to come back in return. Jesus even speaks to this idea of Agape versus conditional love, human love. In Luke 6, this is what Jesus says. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. So what Jesus is saying here is if you just love those who love you, if you love like everybody else does, that does not change the world. That doesn't look different than anybody else. Everybody does that. But Jesus says, I, I came to do something different. In fact, in this very passage that I just read you, Jesus goes on and he says, so love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. That looks different than everything else. Conditional love loves those who love you. And, and listen to me. This is so important. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, you need to listen really carefully right now. I want you to hear this. If you're not a Christian in this room or if you're watching online and you're not a believer, I want you to hear this because I want you to hear the reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not what you think you've heard, not what's maybe been a poor example to you in the past, 
but the reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and that is this, the Christian life is a life of love. That is what it is meant to be. The Christian life is a life of love. In fact, there's this moment where Jesus is with his disciples, and it's right before he's about to go and be, uh, be, tr- be on trial, be beaten, be executed, and he knows this. It's known as the Last Supper, this time he's spending with them. It's the last meal. And he gathers the disciples up. He's like, listen, I'm about to go, but I want to leave you with a new commandment. I'm going to give you a new commandment. And you can imagine as Jesus pulls the disciples in and he's like, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Their ears probably perk up. A new commandment. Man, Jesus, we've been with you for like three years and you've been talking about how all the law and the prophets and and the Torah and the Tanakh and all these things point to you, but you've never mentioned a new commandment. What is this new commandment? And what we read in John 13, Jesus says this, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Now, if you were sitting in the room, I imagine if I was sitting in that room and I heard Jesus say that, I would have gone, hold on. That's not a new commandment, Jesus. Maybe you've thought that in the room before. Like, you've read that and you're like, that's not new. You've been preaching that for the last three years. In fact, Jesus, I remember this moment when the Pharisees came to you and they tried to trick you and they're like, what's the greatest commandment? And you told them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then, Jesus, you said, the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, Jesus, you argued that all of the law and all of the prophets hung on those two things, to love God and love our neighbor. So how is this a new commandment? This is really important that we understand this. Because this is absolutely a new commandment. A commandment like this had never been given before. Now listen to what the new commandment is. Listen to the difference. The first commandment was this. Love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment is this. Love one another just as I have loved you. Do you see the difference there? The difference between loving someone just as I love myself versus loving someone the way Jesus has loved me. In fact, this quote I found... I love this. This is so good. It says, the depth of love, uh, the depth, depth of love, it takes the Christian, sorry, start over again. This depth of love takes the Christian to a whole new way of expressing love for others. The love that Jesus Christ had and continues to have for his followers is infinitely more profound than the love that is expressed in you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Christians express love towards others, it should not be as we love ourselves, but as Christ loves us. See, this is the new commandment. This is what Jesus is saying. To be a follower of Jesus, it is to love like Jesus. And that is what Paul is writing about in this chapter. He's trying to get this church that really has no background of faith in following God to understand the important things. It's not about just doing do's and don'ts. Live this way, don't live that way. It is about loving like Jesus. In fact, uh, without agape, nothing that is Christian would be Christian. Think about that. Without agape love, without agape, nothing that is Christian would be Christian because it would look like everything else. It would look like the world loves. It would look like conditional love. This is what Jesus is talking about. Like you love those who love you, big deal. Without agape, nothing that is Christian, would be Christians. See, as the disciples walked with Jesus and they talked with Jesus and they saw him day in and day out and they heard him teach, what they realized was this. Jesus was showing them a different way to live as a human being. And that way is called Jesus. Jesus. 
He was showing him a different way to live as a human being. See, as Paul writes this poem in chapter 13, he's painting a picture of the character of Jesus. He's showing the church, look, you know Jesus, you've heard, you've heard of him, you, you, maybe you've heard him even teach, you know that he loves you, but this is what that means. This is the character of the person of Jesus. See, to love like Jesus is a new way to be human. To love like Jesus is, a, is a, absolutely a new way to be human. Humans love conditionally. And Jesus, who comes to this earth fully man and fully God, says, look, I'm going to show you a different way to be a human being, and it looks like this. And when we love in this new way, this new way to be human, we love like that, it causes us to do things that don't make sense. It causes us to love people that hate us. It causes us to, to sacrifice for people that we have no idea and really don't ever even plan that they would do anything for us in return. And in fact, there's a couple here at ACF Church that is living this out in their life. They, they, are, they are about to take some steps in this agape love that is going to change their lives and hopefully the lives of people around them. So can you guys help me welcome up Jesse and Crystal Garnett? So for those who you don't know, Crystal is on staff here at ACF Church. She is one of our pastors here, and uh, she is our digital discipleship uh, pastor. So if you've ever gotten an encouraging text, uh, if you enjoy the devos that come to your phone every single day, um, any of our online contact, Crystal is the one who's got her hands on that and helping it happen. And then this is Jesse, her husband, and he's been a part of ACF serving so faithfully and in uh, youth ministry, in our young adults ministry, and how long have you guys actually been at ACF Church? Yeah, so we've been at ACF Church um, since February of 2018, 17, 2017, so awesome. five and a half years. Five and a half years. Now, you guys are about to step into something big um, in your lives, life-changing, and so can you just tell everyone what are you guys getting prepared to do? Yeah. So we have uh, been called, and we feel this holy discontent. Uh, excitement really to do something called church planning and what that is just to start a church from scratch awesome so they are going to be going and planting a church and so talk to me about this a little bit um why did you guys decide that you want to go plant a church somewhere well about a year and a half ago um crystal and i were just having conversations we just felt like there was something that needed to happen in our life we felt like this holy discontentment for what we're doing and we just know that there was something more that God wanted us to do. And so uh, this last January, uh, we went to a uh, conference called Renew, and it's for pastors and their spouses to go and just have a time away of rest and rejuvenation. And we were walking on the beach and just praying together and asking God what he wanted for us. And we just felt like swimmers on the starting block, ready to jump in head first for whatever he called us to do. And uh, it was super exciting. So, yeah. And at that conference, we got to meet some amazing leaders in the Alliance, and we're just kind of sharing with them this stirring and this um, almost frustration that we felt because we knew God was calling us to something, but we didn't know what. Um, and in one um, conversation, uh, one of our leaders just asked us, like, hey, have you guys ever considered church planting? And Jesse and I both looked at each other and we're like, yeah, but how does one do such a thing? Like, we have no idea how you do that. Um, and so he started talking to us about it and really encouraged us to pray over it. 
Um, and we kind of were fostering different possibilities of ministry and just trying to pray over what God was calling us to. And the more we thought about and prayed about and fasted over church planting, the more we met with our leadership and had them praying for us, just the more obvious it became that this was our next step. Awesome. So uh, you guys are looking to plant a church. Do you, do you know where God's calling you to plant a church? Yeah, so this seems crazy, but we've been called to go to Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon, which is behind us here on the screen if you didn't know. Uh, Bend, Oregon. Why Bend, Oregon? Well, that's just like a, it's kind of a, just a God thing. Like, really, we've never been there. Um, we're not like, oh, I would love this place. It's a cool vacation spot or anything like that. No. Um, it's just a place that uh, has been brought up over and over and over again, and God just keeps putting it in our life. And uh, through different conversations, through different people, um, so much so that when we tell people, sometimes they're like, oh, my gosh, like, Bend needs a good church. Like, it's crazy, so... Yeah, and we, um, again, as we were just kind of walking down this road and talking with the Alliance, whoever sees us for church planting, you know, they were encouraging us to be praying for it. Um, and we actually had a really great meeting with Micah, who oversees church planting, and told him that we were talking about Bend. And he revealed to us that our district has actually been praying for a church planting family to go to Bend for the last 10 years. And so that was just very affirm or affirming for us. Um, and just we've just seen God opening up doors left and right. Um, and so in June, we were down, oh no, was that June? April. We were down for um, another conference that we went down to there and decided to spend some time in Bend. Uh, we had about 24 hours to go visit this city that we were feeling really called to um, and just kept praying that God would make it really, really, really obvious um, that this is where we wanted to go. And um, we walked around the city, and we prayed, and we met the people of Bend and pet a lot of dogs. <laughs> There's a lot of dogs. Um, and we were sitting in a restaurant that night and looking around. And as we had researched this place, one of the things that was really heavy on our hearts is we wanted to go somewhere that really needed the gospel. And Bend is one of those places. There's about 110,000 people in Bend. And a really generous estimate is that about 5 to 7% of them know Jesus. And so it's just a very post-Christian community, a community that just really needs Jesus. There's a lot of church hurt, a lot of misconceptions about what the church really is. And um, as we were sitting in the restaurant that night, our hearts just broke for these people. I just started crying, which, if you know me, is not that odd. Um, but yeah, just this reality that there were all these people that were smiling and happy and going about their lives, and they just didn't know. And we just felt like God was saying, I'm calling you, and you need to come and you need to tell them about me. Awesome. And, and so you guys understand uh, as, as ACF Church, we are very excited for them. We are sending them out uh, as church planters from ACF Church. In fact, back in January, we had a lead team retreat. And the whole retreat was praying uh, what our next steps were and praying that God would bring us church planters because we really felt like God was saying, this is where ACF is headed in the future is planting churches and, and, and planting campuses and those types of things. And so we're like, we... We don't know. Like, we don't have anybody. We don't know anybody. So, But we spent that weekend praying uh, that God would bring us church planters that we could send out and support. And at that very same time is when you guys were feeling the call to that. Yeah, we literally... We were, had our meeting with Micah, and he got off of the phone with them at the lead team retreat and hopped onto the phone with us. Um, so it was just really amazing yeah. God timing. Yeah, neither of us even knew. They, we didn't know they were thinking about church planting. They didn't know our lead team 
was wanting church planters. And so it's just cool to see how God is moving through this. So what are the next steps? You guys are going to go to Oregon and plant a church? Uh, not exactly, okay. no. Uh, so we actually have some training to do. We went through a week-long interview process to be um, blessed as uh, church planters, so to speak. And so we have uh, about 18 to 24 months where we'll be getting training. We'll actually be um, being in a residency, um, basically an internship with another church that has just been going through the process. They're a church that's only five years old, and they're a recent church plant. So we can learn the things that they've done well, the things that they're like, we tried this, it didn't work well. They have the whole process of... Um, uh, what is that called? Accreditation. Accreditation, yes, thank you. And so that all of that kind of stuff, the legal ins and outs, everything we didn't know about becoming uh, a non nonprofit organization and a, a church and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing that's really helpful is, um, the, if you guys don't know this, the culture of Alaska is not the culture of <laughs> Oregon. So we're also going to be able to be there um, visiting Bend, getting to know people, getting to know um, the community, learning the culture, and just... Um, praying about how God wants to use us to minister specifically in that place. So that's the other thing that we'll be doing in the next two years. Awesome. So um, Crystal, as, so if you, you're wondering, she's actually going to stay on part-time staff with ACF Church. And so she's going to continue to do the digital stuff that she can do remotely. And ACF Church, we're going to be supporting them. But how else uh, can people who might want to support you guys learn more? And what does support look like for you guys? Awesome. So like just as you think of us, just pray for us. That's one of the biggest things you can do. Um, we have an informational meeting coming up this Thursday. Uh, it's an informational dinner as well, so come hungry. Uh, we'll have some food for you guys right here in this room at 6 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, 6.30, we'll be going into a presentation just to tell you more about our ministry model, um, how it looks to reach a post-Christian uh, culture. And so Ben is very much a post-Christian culture, uh, and so we can't do church the way that you're used to or we are used to. On top of that, Jesse and I will be standing out front if you have any questions you want to talk to us. We also have a monthly newsletter that we're going to be sending out. We'd love to keep you guys a part of our team and connected. We know we can't do this alone. Um, it'd be absolutely impossible. And you guys are our family. And so we invite you guys to come to the meeting, um, find out more about it. You can um, ask us anything you guys have. But, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, actually, ACF Church was planted by a church in Oregon back in the 80s, and so now we get to return the favor and send some planters down there. Can we give them a huge hand as they make their way off? I'm so excited. Man, I'm so excited for what God is doing in the Garnets through ACF Church, and, and that's what it looks like, agape, right? Going to a place, to a, to a town where, man, they may or may not be accepted there, but they know that they're called there to love people who don't know Jesus. So as Paul writes in, in uh, chapter 13, as he's writing this, this poem to uh, the Corinthians, what he's trying to explain to them, and, and the root of what he's trying them to grasp is this, it is that love is the supreme ethic of the Christian life. That love is the supreme ethic of the Christian life. And to help them understand that, he kind of breaks uh, this, this poem into three sections. And each section is a truth about love. And, and so I want to break those out for you real quick. The first truth of love is this, the necessity of love. The necessity of love. If love is a supreme Christian ethic, it is absolutely ne necessary for the Christian life. Without it, you're not Christian. 
And think about it. What does Paul say? Look, if you, can, if, you have all the, if you can have all the wisdom in the world, if you have all the faith in the world, if you can speak in tongues, if you give everything you have away, if you sacrifice your body, you die for your faith, but you don't have love, you have nothing. And in fact, the, the, the things that Paul uses right here, they're, they're not just random. If you've been with us all summer long, you would, some of them may have sounded familiar. He talks about if you, if you have all the wisdom in the world and you can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge in the world. Well, it, earlier in this chapter, or in, in the book, he talks about, look, you guys have, are puffing yourself up with knowledge. And you're acting like you're better than other people because you know more than them. And then he goes, look, if you have all the, all the knowledge in the world, it doesn't matter. He says, look, if you can speak in tongue of men and angels, well, just like last week we talked about how people were speaking in tongues and then they were using it as like a status symbol, like I'm better than you because I can speak in tongues and you can't. And Paul's like, look, if you speak in tongues, it does not matter. You're just noise if you don't have love. Without love, you don't have Christianity. And, and specifically, when you don't have agape, you don't have Christianity. It is the supreme ethic. It is absolutely necessary to be a Christian, is to have love. The second truth that Paul lays out is the character of love. The character of love. You see, the world knows that love is the answer. I think every, all of us would say, yeah, if we just love each other, the world knows that love is the answer. The Beatles were right, okay? The Beatles were right. All you need is love. Love is all you need, right? They were right, but here's the problem. The character, the definition, the reality of love that the world knows and operates in fails vastly short to ever becoming the answer that the world needs. See, conditional love changes nothing. Conditional love doesn't change the world. It's, it's what we all do. But this agape, this sacrificial love, this one-way love, it changes everything. It changes everything. And this is what it looks like. Paul's writing, and this is what the character of agape looks like. First of all, he starts with what it is. He says, love is patient and kind. Patient and kind. Okay, let's just try that one for this whole week. Not patient and kind with some people. Patient and kind with everybody including your kids. Well, I can do, oh, no, I can't do that. Oof. All the time? All the time. I mean, when they're asleep, I, can, I am so patient and kind with them. Wait, all the time with that, that coworker? Like, that's just destroying my job? Like, they can't do their job? They're terrible, and now I have to be patient in their inability to do their job? All the time. Patient and kind. What he goes on, it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. The character of love. What is love not? Paul says it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil. All of that. All of that. Not, not like one of those things. All of those things. Love is not that. Agape is not that. And then, I love it, Paul ends with this, not only what love is, but what is love always? What is love always? It always rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. 
it always perseveres. See, what Paul's doing is he's showing this young church not only what the character of love is, but what the character of Jesus is. This is agape. This is Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does, is not envious. Jesus is not boastful. He's not proud. He's not rude. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrong. Jesus does not delight in evil. Jesus always rejoices with the truth. He always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. This is the character of love. This is what it looks like to live as a new kind of human being. What we are called to, right? Like Jesus says, look, you're born again. You've gone from death to life. You're not the same kind of human. You're a different kind of human being. It's a Jesus human being. And it looks different from the world, and it changes the world. This is it. This is the supreme ethic. This is the character of Jesus that we're to live out every day. And then the final, the third truth is the language of love. At the end of this poem, Paul kind of gets into some weird stuff. Like, he's, it's, it's, like, what's he talking about? I see is like poorly and is a mirror, but then I'll see clearly. I kind of know in part, but then I should be known. Like, what's he talking about? You see, what Paul understands is the reality of where we're at in like this world, in human history, basically. Where we reside. And where Paul resided is the same place where we reside. And what that is is this. We've said it a lot here at ACF Church. It's the right now but not yet. We call it the right now but not yet. And what that means is God's kingdom is here right now. And yet it is not yet fully here. And it's this place in human history where those who came before Jesus didn't live in this place. They lived just in the not yet. But now we live in the not yet but here but will be coming soon the the already here but not yet and what i mean by that is we understand love we know as in part we see as in part we see dimly what love will look like but when the kingdom of god comes fully this will be the language we speak the language we speak will be love we we see what love can do this agape we see what agape can do now but we will really understand it when the kingdom comes We know agape now, but we will fully know it when the kingdom comes. It is the language we will be speaking for eternity is agape, sacrificial love. And then Paul ends it by reiterating one more time, this is the supreme ethic. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Because without it, your faith and your hope do not matter. The greatest of these is love. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? How do we live this out? Is is this really the expectation on me? Well, yes, but this is not just the expectation. This is how to be a new kind of human. So how do we do this? I think the best kind of example I have, the best understanding I could give is, is like, it's like learning to play an instrument. Maybe you've ever picked up a guitar, or you, or you in band one day, and you, you picked up that instrument for the first time, and as any parent knows, when your kid picks up an instrument for the first time, you love it, and you just ask them to close the door, right? Oh, yeah, you practice that instrument, just make sure you close the door, please. 
right? And it's just noise at first, and it's, it's sometimes it's even painful. It's awkward, and they're learning, or you're learning. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're like, oh, is that music I hear? Is this, is this music I hear coming from the room? Did I actually just play a song on the guitar? And then all of a sudden, it turns from music into melody, and it's beautiful. And it takes work. And all of a sudden, people notice, they see it, and they, people want to come and hear you play music. They want to come and experience what does it mean to live agape. Wait, no. This church acts agape. you got to come check it out. My neighbor is full of agape. you, you got to come and meet my neighbor. And yeah, maybe they won't use those exact words, but you'll know what they mean. As you live out, walk out what it means to be this new kind of human. And if you're not a believer, I want you to understand this. This is the love, first of all, that Christ has for you. He is patient. He is kind. He keeps no record of your wrongs. He's not easily angered towards you. He will not fail. And maybe you didn't know that's what this whole Christian thing was about. Maybe you didn't understand that this is what a relationship with Jesus is about. But I want you to understand that. I want you to know that. And so here's what I would ask of you. We, I, I want you not to just hear that and go, wow, that was really good. Or, oh, man, I can, I can agree with that point. And then leave and forget this whole message by Tuesday. Because it's, life's busy. We have on your seat these cards. On the bottom is a little tear-off part. It says action step on it. And I want to encourage you to fill out your action step. And all it is is this. If you've never filled out an action step before, um, there's just four options. Click, or you can click. You can hit one of them. Use a pen. They make those still. Just check one of those. And, and as you leave this room today, you can drop them in a, in a basket when you leave. And all that's going to happen is this week, in the middle of the week, you're going to get a text or an email that just says, hey, this week, this is what you committed to. We're praying for you that you would be able to continue with this commitment. That's all that's going to happen. But here are the action steps. First of all, maybe your first step is just to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. And you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. Just check that on that box, and we want to get in touch with you. Maybe the next action step is to choose one of the characteristics of love that you're going to focus on this week. Maybe you're someone that is prone to getting angry easily. And you're like, this week... I am not going to get angry easily. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to empower me to do this. Here's the one thing. Don't, don't focus on all of them. Focus on one of them that you're going to grow in this week. Maybe your action step is that you're going to choose one area of your life that you need to love more like Jesus. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, or just a situation that you're in. Man, I need to agape in this situation. I need to love like Jesus. And the last action step, and man, I would encourage every single one of you into this action step, and that is to show up on Thursday night for the Garnett's church planning dinner. Just find out how you can be a support to them. It can be just through prayer, financially, or other means. Maybe, maybe there's someone in this room that just needs to go with them to help plan a church. I don't know. Show up on Thursday and, uh, and hear the Garnett's and, and, and to their church planning dinner. If you guys would, go ahead and close with me as we close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth to show us how to be human. To show us how to love God the way you intended it to be. 
First of all, God, we are eternally grateful that you love agape. Scripture says, Lord, that Jesus, that you loved us when we were your enemies. You did not love us and then give all these conditions to that love. No, you loved us unconditionally. God, and Jesus, you told us, love like you love. And that is my prayer for us at ACF Church this morning, that we would learn how to love like Jesus loved. And as we do that, it would change the world around us. Empower us, Holy Spirit, for the ability to even be able to do that. All the glory to your name, God. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.